It's time for the Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul. This is Caroline. And tonight we're here to discuss the third and fourth episodes of the third season of Netflix's Stranger Things. The first one is called The Case of the Missing Lifeguard, and the fourth one is called The Sonatest. When we were looking at the groups of characters for this podcast, we were realizing that we have three clumps of storylines that basically talk about the mind flayer and everything coming back from the upside down. And then we have three storylines that are clumped together that really are about like the unusual goings on in town and basically investigating what's going on and what little thread that they basically have something to do with. But we know, obviously, as a series, this is all going to come together in one giant moment, right? But right now, everyone's like pulling on a different string. General Hawkins hijinks. Always, always Hawkins hijinks. Let's get right into some Hawkins hijinks with Elle and Max. Do girls really act like this? I mean, is there is there like a template girl that like passed down notes to other girls of like, of like how to be in terms of like... Like treating the boys, like you gotta you gotta hang up whenever they call. You gotta do this. <laughs> you gotta you gotta sing to pop music in your room. You gotta do these things. I have no idea where we get it from, but it is exciting to see that it is like extremely <laughs> ubiquitous. I guess right, like we're all doing it at the same time in our own rooms, like singing in our in our little hairbrushes and or doing some sort of Cosmo quiz or what have you. Like there's always something like that. Absolutely. Now Elle takes it to this higher level where she can actually spy on the boys with her telekinesis works there that's like a whole different level i mean we would have just like called and hung up or like snuck over maybe <laughs> peeped in some windows or something but like this is a whole nother level now can i ask you are boys constantly farting and burping on each other is that like a whole thing too like do you guys have a handbook about how you should just continuously burp and fart as much as possible basically from birth to death no that comes naturally that's it's amazing that's right genetically input <laughs> I think that is like so crazy. I do wonder, however, Paul, do you think that it is acceptable fun that they decided to do this spin the bottle spy game to start infiltrating other people's lives? Was this was this cool? Like, should Elle like put the stop on it? Or like, should Max be more cool about this? Or have they really set this up where like Max is periphery enough that she doesn't take Elle's powers seriously enough? So she doesn't like even know that what she's messing with? I think it's a combination of all those factors. Like Elle doesn't have any experience in the world, really. She's gotten strong enough with what she does that the bloody nose doesn't really bother her anymore. You think it might bother Max? Like, it would weird me out if my friend's nose was bleeding. It doesn't. See, that's the thing with, with Max is that she's, I don't know what the, what the exact right right word is because she's doesn't have that boundary you know like my friend looks like they're in pain okay my my friend wants to spy on other people okay you know it's like she doesn't have I that don't even know that it's there. like my friend wants to spy on other people it's like she like initiates that shit you're right it is more like that you know it wasn't so, Elle's idea to, to spy on those people on the right the so I'm going thing. with this idea that like Max just didn't live the storylines with us in the previous seasons in the same way that everyone else did so she just has been like kind of sheltered from the seriousness of everything in a lot of ways. I mean, we see that, you know, as she's coming to terms with Billy later in the episodes here, you know, this is new for her. I mean, this is tears and fresh information, you know? Shh. Did we ever see her with that 
with the dad last season. We just saw Billy with the dad, and the dad was really the yeah, guy that made him shirt. Yeah, yeah, no good. But that was it, right? I believe so. I don't think Max right. So instead of a compliant daughter who is afraid of dad, she's this more rebellious type type figure. See, I don't even know if I would consider her rebellious. Like, I'm just saying that, like, I think she doesn't know how serious this is. So it's like it's just somebody who's got this like crazy trick. It's like it, it's very nine hundred two one zero. Scott, let me show you the gun in the office. Like he's not taking it seriously enough, you know? Okay. And so, you know, David thinks it's a good idea. Let's go check it out, you know? But, you know, they're not taking it like life and death. They're just taking it like it's a parlor trick. Like, it's just something she can do, like walk the dog with the yo-yo or like whatnot. That makes sense. You can roll your tongue, like weird little tricks that we all have. So I think she's just taking it like that. But I mean, obviously this goes like off the rails. How did you feel when Billy like turned around and like seems to see Elle when she's spying in on him? That kind of stuff has always left little question marks in my brain because it, it makes you ask, well, what is L? We know that L was born here, the result of some sort of experiment, but born to a human mom. So how can she interact with the upside down like she does? Is she, Does that mean that she is somehow part of it or, or, or part of something that comes from there? And that's what allows her and the Mind Flayer and Demogorgon and all that to interact in such kind of catastrophic ways. So when he when he could see her, well, that gave away that Billy is, you know, Goo Billy. part, yeah, either partially or totally taken over by, by I Mind Flayer. I think he's fully Goo Billy, don't you? I do. I do think he is reformed. <laughs> yeah. If you didn't listen to our episode one and two coverage, basically Paul put forward that Billy and all the rest of these townspeople are just going to become a collective pile of goo inside the body of whomever the former townsperson was. So, so far, we really feel like, okay, obviously Billy to us is 100% there, but we're figuring out that like a lot of other people are going this way, body it's, snatcher style. It's sort of like different vampire type lore where oh. basically when the vampire takes over a body, okay. they are basically like an infection that has access to the the motor functions and the memory of of the host right but they're not really that person anymore okay so super interesting because within my creature knowledge like i go directly to zombie but you're saying no this is actually like way more akin to an infected Some. vampire ish taking over is am i saying this right is this is that, is that a better that is monster than a zombie that is one one interpretation of, of vampire, you know, mythos. It's not all of them. Okay. But yeah, but yeah the, the important idea is that is that my theory is just that it's not actually Billy as much as something that has complete access to what made up Billy and can act like him enough. So I like that you said act like him enough because there's parts to this that you're like, come on. Like, all right, so Elle and Max get get wind basically that Billy and Heather didn't show up at work. In the the sort of like piecing together, they run over to Billy's bathroom apparently, find this tub full of like melted ice and that's a bloody water whistle. To you and me. So that's water to you and me. Right. Melted ice, aka H2O, right? Agua for mm -hmm. our Spanish-speaking listeners. Which I'm sure there are many. In German, it would be... Wasser. Wasser, obviously, right? Uh, so so here's the sitch. Like in Lithuanian, it'd be vodka. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm saying that um, 
like if Billy was remotely his real self, he wouldn't have just thrown a bloody whistle in the trash can. He wouldn't have left. You know, like there was zero attempt to clean up the apparent crime scene. You mean like besides the, the just bloody fingerprints it, on everything? Yeah, just like placing it in the trash can. So like there's like zero human like motivation to cover his tracks. Or instincts. Right. So that would imply that this is like completely and totally goo Billy. And I like your vampire thinking, and, but I got to go a little with zombie in terms of just how stupid, you know, I mean, that's just stupid. Like you, you didn't even try, like he could have just taken it with and left it at the steelworks, you know, but like, you know, just, just to throw a bloody whistle in your trash can. I mean, that's just not wise. Leave it just like under the sink for like your mom to, to empty. Well, the original definition of, of zombie was more of a possession than okay a, more of like what what they call out of like um haiti those the, those kind of zombies are, are more of more of uh more of someone else taking over another person's body and that's i believe that's called a ghoul actually but Whoa. might be might be mixing my my uh, y'all are learning up in here I, I might be mixing it all up, but yeah, those earlier types of zombies that you saw in the movie and stuff were more possession, which is kind of what we're so talking So like you about. can get them back out and then you can still be a person again? I think- Because that's a really big part of this. Like, can Billy come back? I'm asking you. This, the stories with those zombies was, yes, the person could come back. I think the kind of the, the thrust of whatever got on film, though, was uh, they didn't. <laughs> but uh, Sure. But like but yeah. in things like Walking Dead, like there's no sense that like right. those people can come back. If no. we just get Haitian zombies are our possessions that okay. that are acting under someone else's or something else's control. Okay, super good to know. So I appreciated Elle and Max's little journey of like going to the pool and finding out that, you know, no one came to work and like finding her picture and all that stuff. Like I thought they did a really good job of like piecing together how these girls would have figured out anything about who the lifeguard was and all that. Like I appreciated they didn't just say, oh, Heather, we all know Heather the lifeguard, you know, because Elle doesn't hang out in public places. Yeah. So she wouldn't know who she was. So I liked it very much that they had very plausible like me our lifeguards board and it said her name and like that was like really really good now did you expect that when we entered heather's house we were going to see that glamour shot picture including editor tom no but but i do like that they wrapped in another character a lot of times i don't like that kind of claustrophobic feeling in tv shows where they're where they'll basically make everybody related in one way or another but in this case i didn't mind it at all it um yeah what did you think when you saw it well I, again, I felt like I appreciated the tie-in. I didn't see it coming. Um, and I liked very much that we actually got to see how Tom and wife like would have gotten where they were because they could have just had the newspaper editor suddenly become a goo person. And mm. we just would have had to just, I don't know, discern that someone along the way turned him into goo. But to actually make it like Heather, you know, I, it, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Like the dots connected very well, in my opinion. Plus, of course, it ratchets up everything in terms of all the other storylines, because now you know the stories are going to be squelched. Now you know, you know, that anybody who's trying to move forward is going to be pushed back. And we didn't really know where the adults in town who are going to become our obstacles were going to be set up. Mm -hmm. But now this makes sense. This isn't just going to be about male chauvinistic bullshit at the newspaper but no the editor's a goo man it's totally <laughs> it 
makes sense. Well, I wonder where Jake Busey's character will come down in the in the line of goo. Will he uh, will he be taken right away and be just this antagonistic jackass for the rest of the show, or or will it be sort of? Oh, like I feel a... like he's gonna be. No, I think he's gonna continue to be like the rat. Well, okay, hold up. Well, I don't want to get too far into Jonathan and Nancy's story, so let's let's revisit. Okay. GBL when we get there. In case y'all missed our first episode, that's because I think Jake Busey is just Gary Busey light. So we're <laughs> calling him GBL. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's finish up with our Billy Heather craziness. When Billy was sitting at that dinner table, being all like, ah, ha, 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 and he had like the fluffiest hair since like Kurt Cameron. I was like, what? Like, okay. So hair tells you a lot, Paul, about the character. Okay. Prior, prior he was all like, um, it was all like gel and it was like, it was all like in his face and stuff. Like he was always looking real scraggle. But if you saw him at the table, it was like a poodle puff of hair. Like it was neatly quaffed. That's a very 80s look. Didn't really survive the 80s. It is, but it's like a very, this is going to sound funny, like a clean cut version of his hair versus the scraggly, like heavy metal rocker kind of look that he was sporting before. Mm -hmm. This is like my, I'm going to church poodle wig, you know, it's fancy. Right. I, I, I can picture the difference. Okay. Did you expect Heather to come bebopping out of the kitchen with the freaking brownies? and or cake and or desserts you know i didn't have an expectation for that scene but when it happened it didn't it didn't hit struck me as something that didn't make sense because otherwise why would billy be having this calm dinner with her parents you know what i mean if if she was missing right then they would not be like calmly passing the salt to one another you know exactly so l and max are totally confused right they leave like in a daze like i can't i don't quite know what the hell's going on however bill l has like a strong tingle that billy is definitely like piercing into her soul about who she is and is now on high alert about Billy. Well, she should be. I mean, we'll, we'll, ex we'll explain later what happens when they have a little confrontation, but it's it's that it's kind of like she has uh, Spidey sense, or or if you've seen the new movie, a Peter Tingle. I think a Peter Tingle. I said uh, L Tingle. With, um, with upside down business. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to switch on over to Billy and Heather's storyline because they just morph right into episode three, four with the two of them, right? So once Elle and Max leave, did you expect that Heather and Billy were going to actually attack the parents like that? Actually, I did. <gasps> what? So it's funny. I didn't have any expectations for Heather, but then once I saw she was there and I saw she was kind of like the Stepford Heather, Yeah, yeah. then I knew that her, her parents were, were goners. Okay, so when the when the mom is all just like, ah, fine, and like Tom was all like, I told you not to drink so much. And he was like, oh, like a super surly dick. Like, nice way to behave you just thought like oh they drugged the mom like you were already onto it completely no, no, no. or you were uh, like oh just, she is a lush no they're back and forth billy and and heather's kind of back and forth with their with their eye contact and her kind of bizarre behavior just she was much more robotic yes yeah i totally agree with that okay so dragging them off to the steelworks this kind of moment right now is exactly what makes season three so much scarier to me than the previous two seasons when they take down tom's little gag and he's like crying to heather about like whatever he's gotten you into like all that i am so thankful my children are not watching this season they decided they opted out on their own on this season just from a little bit of the of the trailers that they had seen boy they had good tingle i'm telling you paul because <laughs> like they were smart to not watch it because that whole part of like parents being tied up and 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 the boyfriend and the oh that is like frightening as fuck man well there's more gross out this season so far yes but it's like but the exploding whole rats kidnapping 
Dead people feels so much scarier to me. Well, yeah, the the idea of getting stolen by a monster in season one for, you know, the disappearance of Will Byers is totally different than, you know, your your daughter's boyfriend uh there's something more strangely in like reality i know that sounds so crazy but when we were dealing with the mind flayer and he was like pressing his hand through the wallpaper that's very poltergeist okay but billy and heather are in the real world they're not hands pressing against the wall they are people who are going to knock you over the head with a wine bottle and drag you out of your home those feel like very different dangers you know and one feels like very in your freaking face so i am completely frightened of Billy and Heather. They are the people who are going to give me badass dreams. I'm going to be super pissed about because I'm going to wake up all crank in the morning after I've been running in place all night trying to yell for help. <laughs> and it's true. Lately, I've been doing a lot of that. As soon as you wake up, though, then you get sucked out. Oh, my God. So I have to stay in the dream? Fucking great. All right, so Goo Tom, Goo Mom, we actually see them getting, like, turned over, right? Again, I didn't really expect to see that. Like, I thought maybe we would just see them get dragged down to the basement and we leave, right? Mm -hmm. But the whole, like, hose to the face suck out of their, I don't even know what, humanity. That's that's the ratcheting up of the, yes. of the body terror in this in this season because it did, wasn't just like uh they could have just shown it happen to one of them and the other one kind of scream out and then cut it right there i didn't even think they had to show us either but they showed both of them yes and you're right is it is it sucking is it pumping the goo into them I like it's sucking out i think it was sucking out of them i don't even know how did the rat goo get back in or whose goo is that in them it's complicated mind and, player do you stuff. think it's like he sucks them in and then he somehow processes them and then he shoots back in like a like a, like a yeah but like a like a mama bird style like he like he kind of digests some of the something and then he puts it back in like he restuffs the pillow that makes sense and then they're like fucking taxidermied with goo of rats and maybe other people and other bad stuff's in there that's not even them you're starting to make a lot of sense i think it would make a lot of sense if different characters started having personalities of other characters because the goo pumped back into them is a mixture of other townspeople yeah that can't be a completely efficient goo pumping station well, it certainly can't be like uh not hygienic's not the right word but it's like i want to say how how did mrs driscoll not get gooed into tom too like what if he starts talking about like knitting and shit Just saying paul we're gonna have to keep an eye out for that we are gonna keep an eye out but you know what else is going on remember how i was telling you in the last podcast that i felt like no one was keeping an eye out on will like freaking nobody like they were ignoring him every time he was talking yes oh my god how sad did you feel with this whole will the wise well i really feel for will because there's there's definitely a break at that age where where some some kids are interested in girls and they leave behind everything else and those that that aren't quite ready to go yet okay so how old are they supposed to be at this stage like 13 12 <laughs> where what are, what are we now 13 14 yeah 12? that seems right okay so at that age paul like were you totally into girls at like 12 or like like i'm gonna let's make them 13 because that seems like a real break point so at 13 were you like all girls all the time like besmirch my friends i'm not here i don't play D, &D anymore i'm not dealing with that shit like mm. are you like a ladies man at this point yeah i guess so i guess so but it was it was uh it's, it's funny to say but it's kind of with a certain measure of reluctance i mean you know me as a as a grown-up and you see how many of my childhood things I've let go, which is none. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fair to say there's an awful lot of childish shit in his office. It's fair to say that I didn't really make a clean break. Intriguing. I wonder what that means. Makes you some sort of man child. Indeed it does. <laughs>
Yeah. Okay. Well, so for my own self, I would say at 13, here's the funny thing. So I had had what I would consider a boyfriend like Lucas and Max, our boyfriend and girlfriend, since I was in third grade. Matt Freeman, shout out to you. So totally understand the idea of like being paired up with somebody else, not doing anything else. Like you're not kissing, you're not doing anything, but you hang out and you're considered like a couple, you know? Okay. But there's no dances to go to at third grade. There's no nothing. I mean, there's nothing. You're not going to the movies, something like that. But by 13, now when you say you're going out with somebody, okay, now things are like for real, right? And I can remember that being a, such a huge break. Like there were girls who were not only kissing, but were like rounding all the bases, if you will, Paul, wink, wink. Whereas I was like still like I was building forts in the backyard with my brother, like playing in the brook, like a hundred percent having fun. I absolutely had like boy girl parties and I a hundred percent always had a boyfriend, but I'm using air quotes in that it's, but like, there is no way I was like rounding more than first. Okay. Like that, that seemed so fast. And I was so not ready for that. Like I was a hundred percent a kid for so long. And guess what, Paul? What? I still have that childlike wonder in my heart. That's true. You do. So if you're a man child, I, I never really grew up either. Like I wouldn't even say I'm like a late bloomer. I'm like a, I'm like a, you're I, just a little bud. I'm just a little bud. Like, and I don't, I don't really care to ever like full bloom. Like I'm good with staying like little bud for as long as I possibly can, really, you know? So I felt so bad though for Will because he was like, honestly, not trying to be down on girls per se, but the way that it all got twisted around where they, where Mike actually said to him, just cause you don't like girls. Like that felt like, oh my God, Mike, you're like choking my neck. Like, why did you have to say that? Well, it's like once girls enter the equation, then like I said, everything else falls to the to the side and like all your interests go toward that pretty much, you know, all your energy. And so if you haven't made that break yet, then it's kind of impossible to understand for do you have to make a break? I mean, I'm it really asking. Like, but do you have to? Okay, like I'm gonna say perhaps you no longer wear the wizard's robe and dunce cap. Like perhaps <laughs> that ceases. But to imply that like you stop hanging out in the basement and playing games and doing stuff. I mean, I don't know. For my own self, that does not ring true because I definitely hung around guys in basements. <laughs> as a girl and we were playing games so like i don't know that it like had to end like like if those guys were like also playing D D at some point when like i wasn't there i don't know but i definitely feel like it's it seems like an overkill to say will we're not gonna hang out anymore and just play games in our basement because like i know you did and i know you do like you you're you still at 40 how old are you 42 <laughs> you still like you still get together and play games with your guys or is that just like the other end of it like are you just like done with girls like girls are so stupid and lame that now you guys have come back out the other side like i might come in and you're wearing a wizard's robe and the dunce cap because like you're on the other end of 13 that could be are you 13 going on 42 well, yeah something like that that's it's it's that mike and will they don't have the experience yet or the kind of even the vocabulary to process you know what what the what the difference is now that mike and l have been hanging out so much and that's, that's just how they deal with it but do you think will reacted as one as one should or could or do, i mean the, i think he was so embarrassed i mean that's the thing like it's one thing like when he first was gonna leave it was 
it's one thing to feel um, like your friends are just being dicks about your game, right? Yeah. And you're just going to like take your ball and go home. But it's another thing when Mike like puts that point on it and says like, you don't like girls. You're not a man like us. You're a child and you don't like girls. I mean, then for him to go back home and like sit in Castle Byer and like look around and realize like he is surrounding himself with like coloring pages and, you know, like toys and stuff that his like when he what he's saying when he's like beating up Castle Byer is like, you're stupid. You're stupid. Like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That for me, it was like heartbreaking because like you said, like you, you still have your kid stuff. Like you didn't. It's not like you abandoned it totally or told yourself you're an idiot for still wanting to have that stuff around you know not so far no <laughs> plenty of other people do that not me but plenty of other people give you a lot of heat about keeping around toys if you will i understand the collectible value of it all but <laughs> you know i i i just i think that his heart was like literally breaking you know and plus you know if you think about it this also kind of makes me think a little bit of um the most recent spider-man and the blip right yeah so the idea that like other people aged but like will lost a period of time you know and mm-hmm. then he and then he was like in a serious ptsd situation he didn't mature at the same rate as everyone else like everyone was right on the cusp of like becoming like boyfriend girlfriend also and he like having like an arrested development moment of like wanting to stay a little bit more childlike i mean that actually totally tracks you know it does so i felt awful for him how did you feel did you think it was over the top uh he kind of actually made his his point before he stormed off and the other boys were willing to kind of acquiesce and be like you know we were being they didn't say but their behavior said we know we were being dicks here's little inside dungeons and dragons for you caroline oh please the idea of setting up a campaign is not just you know putting putting out those little paper pieces and and dice and being like okay let's play that the guy do, playing the dungeon master has to kind of memorize everything about the world that they're about to play in and all of the events that he wants them to go through and try to come up with some contingencies in the event that they don't do what he expects them to do and it's all just got to be in his brains and in his notes and it doesn't it takes time to prepare for something like that you know what i mean yes i mean the fact that they call it a campaign and everything which i totally understand is you know correct verbiage i understand like how complicated that must be and despite the fact that i am not a dnd i i can i am with you a hundred percent that like he had put his little heart and soul into trying to create his part to create this campaign that he thought was like going to be compelling for them the whole time in, in episode one and two i kept leaning over and i said it in our first podcast coverage of this was that like I feel terrible for him like they're just ignoring him so much you know mm-hmm. that the fact that he would have like went and got his costume and everything and like really tried to like bring it all to them mm-hmm. and they were just being such jerks you know oh it just hurt me so any response of of being like 12 13 years old whatever you do whether you like stomp your feet and be like, like anything I feel like it's perfectly warranted that is 100% me that is what I did definitely stomped my feet and did like a uh, like a lot of that <laughs> sounds at my parents and anyone who needed that so like I get it I get it no did were you concerned that there was going to be some sort of break in the boys friendship in a way that was going to mess up will being able to come to them right away when he starts to get that will mind flayer tingle did you think there might be a moment where like oh this fight is going to cause like a chasm here he's not going to be able to go and be honest with them or they're not going to believe him or something no and here's why um when L 
broke up with Mike in the first episode, I knew that it was going to be one of those situations where when the shit hits the fan, they'll all glue back together. And that's what happened. Will had his his tingle and he's like, okay, everybody cut the shit. Let's let's all team up. I need I need more brains on this. And, you know, Ma- Max it- relented with her just hang up on him. Uh, uh, stuff. Yeah, I just I, I honestly thought that that realistically could have lasted longer where like maybe Will and Elle and Max maybe have to pair up and maybe Mike and Lucas are somehow out of the loop like it would have made a lot of sense to me where if you would have had Mike and Lucas be like you're just trying to get a attention you're just you're just saying that you feel the mind flayers here because you know everyone's ignoring you or everyone's saying that you're not acting right or you know what I mean like you could have blown that up I'm fine with it that they didn't but as teenagers couldn't you see a little bit I mean this is the Mike who sat across from Hopper and whispered in Elle's ear like, couldn't you see a little bit of like dishing it back to him like you're just acting like we should all get upset about something because you're trying to pull us back in yeah okay i would have hated that i know but, but you could have seen it coming right like that yeah. wouldn't have been crazy yeah if i mean if the this is only eight episodes so we didn't have time for the boys not to believe not really no because at the end of this one is sort of sort of at the end of this two episode block is sort of like a mini not exactly climax but it is sort of a there's a lot actually within these two episodes that get revealed honestly i mean we're at the halfway point so i guess if you think about it it's sort of like when you have like a mid-season cliffhanger right like yeah. you have to have like a mini climax at like the mid-season i kind of think that that is like they're right on like in terms of pacing yeah it's so like... let's get into that a little bit more okay so all is forgiven as soon as we start with this mind flayer talk is back everybody's like put that other shit away girls boys whatever you're ing it doesn't matter they all band back together and l and max bring their information forward and now it's like okay it's freaking billy billy is a problem there's some Something wiggy going on goo billy right <laughs> is that a lot of weird talk for you to handle over there his face like just went like whoa wiggy with goo billy <laughs> that is what i would have called the fourth episode let's get wiggy with goo billy okay okay <laughs> i'd have been like i would like stranger things quattro let's get wiggy with goo billy <laughs> right okay so they come up with this sauna test good plan bad plan what do you think great plan i mean it's it's completely encased in like cinder blocks and um got the steel door they know that the heat is what makes the the mind flare portion want to exit the body that it's in so i mean it's dangerous in that a it's mind flare so they so they don't know what it's capable of in this state but it's also billy who is kind of a psychotic and is willing to to beat ass he's such an asshole like when he's not goo billy like like uh you know flesh billy is also a complete ass like he would like you know hit you with a crowbar at the knees you know like he he is scary all by itself when you add a mind flayer and then fill him with goo i I mean (laughs) i'm upset i'm upset fill him up with goo (laughs) i am making things even scarier Okay, so the sauna test thing, we have to have a montage, Paul, where we gather up all of our supplies, right? We got to use our walkie-talkie, a la Home Alone, right? You're going to have to, like, pin it to the chest of a dummy. That's totally Home Alone. We've seen that done. And awkward moments between the pairs that aren't on friendly terms just yet. Right, right. We're still not completely best friends yet. We're we're going to keep, like, eyeing each other with a lot of best wishes. Elle reminded me a little bit of you with her, I make my own rules. What? Yes. Well, you remind me a little bit of Goo Billy sometimes in that you're an ass. 
Nice. Real nice. I thought we were just saying things that we remind people. We were. And I'm sorry that I remind you of Goo Billy. I remind well, you of, of the of the hero of the show. You remind me of, or I remind you of. So you can't even remember who reminds who of what. Was it at least the well, Are you made of goo? Are you goo, Paul? Was it well coiffed, <laughs> Billy, or the. I can't tell over there the, because there's not that much hair situation for me to go off of. So I'm not sure which one you are. But but the fact that you can't keep it straight, I'm pretty sure you're, you are goo, Paul, at this point, which is like RuPaul, but you're like goo, Paul. Right. Okay, so what. Did you think about this freaking test? Is this a good test? Did we draw it out of him? Are we proof positive? He's absolutely the mind flayer. What the hell? Because I got a real werewolf feeling out of this one, I'm going to tell you. He was too strong for just a normal guy. Breaking through the, the tempered glass. Yes. And then when he gets thrown through the cinder blocks. And he just runs away. He just runs away. Right. Uh, these are all things that should have been too much for a normal guy to to serve to do or survive. Hello, when Elle's got him pinned against with the with the uh, with the weights that are like so wedged in there that they're going through the center block wall, and he can push them out. Yeah. Good night, Irene, Paul. Yeah, we had to see Elle take a few though. Yes. Did you appreciate Mike jumping in and attempting to be the tiniest wee boy to fight for her? Definitely, because all the other kids were were so shocked that this was happening in front of them that they were just petrified. Can I say I don't understand why they were not armed with cans of hairspray and a little lighter a la how we killed the mind flayer the first time? They weren't there. That was Dustin was. But Dustin wasn't there either. Oh. He's he's at the mall. Okay, hold up. Put me back in place here. Who knew it was only Steve and Dustin who knew about the power of hairspray? Yeah. And Nance? Yeah. Jonathan? Jonathan. All them. Okay. So none of them are there. So these people don't know about the power of hairspray plus a little fire. They could have burnt up Billy, goo Billy Flair, right? <laughs> they could have. They could have. They should have. It could have happened, right? Well, but that's, that's a, if you're just doing the sauna test and you have Billy's right. sister there with you, you're right. probably not going to go right to flame broiled. <laughs> to torching not like burger king style no no mm. okay that's fair that's fair they gotta hold that back no the way that he ran away into the woods that was very werewolfy to me and i was getting a real strong teen wolf vibe off of him anyway in what way everything everything about him the, the straggly hair do you mean his... michael j fox um I mean, no, like who was the dude? I mean, yes, obviously it was Michael J. Fox. That was the, that was Teen Wolf. But do you remember there was like the whole, like the sweating and the, and the curly hairs? It's very Teen Wolfy. Okay. I cannot explain this all to you. If you haven't seen the movie, I'm over this. <laughs> I've seen it actually. <laughs> I was getting a Teen Wolf vibe. Paul. Okay. Okay, just accept All right. that. Got it. What it is. Totally got me. Okay, so then ran off to the woods. This is bad bananas. You know he's going straight to Steelworks to go blubber to his giant goo master. The Steelworks. Did that did that remind you of uh cold storage in Westworld? Ooh, it sure did. All those goo people just staring forward at what yeah. we can assume is the goo master. Yeah, waiting for their orders to go back into town and resume their their lives hey let's talk about town because i feel like there's some unusual happenings going down in hawkins and we've got these like twosomes threesomes even in some cases because it's steve harrington so you know he's a threesome kind of guy strange things are afoot at the circle k they are afoot paul at the circle k let's talk about john and nance because they have what we're going to consider like sort of like the most ma 
mild of the unusual happenings happening, right? Well, they don't even know that they're in the middle of something. They don't. Um, Clueless reporters. Although, were I to be a person who visited an elderly woman and then later revisited that elderly woman and found her eating face down and eating fertilizer out of the bag, like shit fertilizer, like manure-laced fertilizer. I'd be upset even if it was out of a bowl. I mean, you're upset because it was out of a bag, but like, I'm pissed. Like, if she had like fine china set up in her dining room and she's eating it out of like a serving bowl, still be pissed and upset. I guess that would be a little more, I mean, that, the, be kind of all awesome the if you, thought that would go into it. you couldn't tell what she was eating, and you had to walk over there and discern that she was eating this fertilizer. There's this bowl that smells like shit and yes. it looks kind of like shit, but it's in China. So you're not like instantly going, well, that's clearly shit because <laughs> it's in China. I thought you meant the writing on the bag was in Chinese. No, 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 no. Like you mean fine China, like right. serving. Right, right. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, no, I think that would have been frightening. If she offered you a bowl of like shit scoops, like that would be awful. Nanas do that. Remember she kept offering them food? Nanas are always pushing food. Oh my God. They just want us all to be fat. <laughs> okay, so John and Nancy though. This was kind of a sad situation because here they feel that they've actually really saved mrs driscoll's life you know in finding her acting like this and they and and the the emergency people come and she's like completely freaking out and yet no they do not get praise paul no given that tom is goo tom I don't know how much of his story we could believe at 100% face value about this paranoid schizophrenic and oh, all that stuff. I don't believe any of it, Paul. It's all goo talk. That's the point. He's trying to wash goo over them. <laughs> you reminded me a little bit of Rick just then. <laughs> Except instead of Paul, you would have said Morty. Okay, what did I say? Uh, how just, would I have said it if I was Rick? He said, I don't believe a word of that, Morty, or something something like that. <laughs> and they say, it's goo talk. Yeah. yeah. I don't do a very good Rick. Do you know no. who I do a pretty good? Who? Marcel Deschel. <laughs> That's true. You do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so Gutom totally fires their asses, Paul. Fires their asses. That was, I don't know if you noticed, but the in that scene, when he freaks out, mm -hmm. he, he kicks like his desk or a drawer on his desk or something. And at the moment he kicks it, the camera angle shifts without cutting to another camera. It's like the cam camera operator just just tilted it like mm. like several angles. Like I don't know if you ever noticed in um, classic Batman, but whenever they showed the villains, it was always what they called a Dutch angle, which is tilted, like not panned or or up yeah, and down it. or anything, but, but tilted. And so this was the same angle that they used to to denote villains. In, in Batman, but that's but it, what we're going to call the goo angle. But it happened when he it, and the tilt seemed to get worse as the scene went on, as he was kind of ratcheting up the things that he was saying to them and how much he was yelling at them and how bad they were feeling. It was like the tilt seemed to get a little more pronounced. Crazy, but, but yeah, it was. Y'all watch for that camera work and let us know if you saw that. It, it was kind of jarring when it happened because it was like there's a loud bang and then a, then a, something you never see happen. The camera just tilts like that, you know? So, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Cool, though. I thought something that was crazy, and I don't know if it's cool, was Mrs. Driscoll screeching out in the ambulance that she has to go back as they're, like, passing the steelworks. Oh, uh, that was frightening. They do a pretty good job of making those kinds of things make sense. Yeah, I mean, it totally did make sense, but it's just 
scary, right? I mean, well, she's like screeching. I don't like Nana screeching. Is she a, is she goo Driscoll or oh, is fuck she... yeah, dude? Why do you think she's not goo Driscoll? But yeah, what? You think for for the love of goo, Paul? You do not think that. A goo person would eat fertilizer. Human human person is not fucking that, eating her that, poop. Paul. That's that's true. Now, why does goo want poop? Why do they lust after the manure? Well, are they growing something? It must be like a transference for like organic, you know, material. Like like because that's why the goo thing maybe needs to absorb people is is a way to build its own. Um, Because it's like a plant kind of ish thing. Yeah, kind of. And but it seems to grow like that. They kind of explain at some point this mind flare is basically like a section of mind flare. It's the it's the bit that was inside Will that that scampered off. Yes, yes. And now it's taken root. Dissipated in the air. Right. Right. Didn't scamper off. And so, (laughs) but it's not like, it doesn't have all of the mass and volume of the, of the big one. That's like as big as like a football stadium that, that was from last season. But maybe with this process of sucking in people. He's growing and he's showing now. Is that they can get there. Yeah. And maybe, maybe the people are like carriers, right? So he, he infects the people and at first the rats and then they go out into the world they eat all the shit they can, and then they come back to him and, uh, what do they call it, pump and dump. Oh, my God. That's upsetting. <laughs> and then he, so then they just keep going. It's just, you, you see what I'm trying to say, though? It's yeah, like a little conveyor line of, trying to say. of uh, people bringing him organic matter to absorb. Yeah, that's bad, dude. Yeah. It's bad. That's, that's another theory, the pump and dump poop shoot. <laughs> Speaking of a real shit moment, Paul. Yeah. The Nancy Jonathan blow up about basically their their backgrounds and their their kind of class warfare of like who they are and why they needed this job and what was going on in the world. And Nancy trying to be all like, you don't understand how hard it is to be like a woman in this world, trying to be respected and trying to be taken seriously. And Jonathan being like, you don't know what it's like to be trying to pay a mortgage and and have to have like, you know, real responsibility on your neck. Like this isn't about me, like building a name for myself. I have to like pay the bills what did you think about that? Were you upset? Did you like it? Did you hate it? I think they're both legit arguments, although the guy in me is saying that if, if he wants if he wants to hang out with Nancy anymore, he's going to have to lighten up. She, she's got a pretty, pretty good point, whereas he's just sort of got like an okay point. Well, I feel like you can't be carrying around the like you're a princess card in your back pocket to be thrown yeah. any old time you want to. Like he's going to have to lose that. POV on who Nancy is because why are you even hanging out? Like, what are you doing? And plus, we already kind of had this conversation when we had Steve and Nancy go through this conversation about like, I don't want to just be this suburban mom. Like, I don't want to be this like princess. I want to actually work and be out in the world and make a name for myself. So she was like trying. She could have had that life if that's who she wanted to be. What Jonathan was kind of trying to act like she was. She could have gone off and been, been with Steve and just lived that you know, Molly Ringwald life if she wanted to. Yeah. But here she was, she was like trying to actually, you know, fight against that and be more independent and and actually have a voice and, you know, be smart about life, not just have things handed to her, but like work for it. The little class distinction that he's picking up is something that she's really unconsciously bringing to the table. And she can probably 
adjust if if it bothers him that much you know what i mean she's not going out of her way to say you know i come for more money than you she's just is saying things and it sounds like that you know what, you know what i mean whereas, i guess so whereas he is like you said has this princess card that he's willing to just flip out yeah and he's just got to let that go i don't know how they stay in a relationship if you're going to be willing to flip that card out like that like you can't you know like if you just have that if you have that true feeling in your guts that that's who that person really is at their core i'm like this was never gonna work john it's the same prejudice i mean it just happens to be that she has more money but it could be background of any any kind exactly yeah well i mean i think it was the point that she because she has privilege she doesn't understand that you can't throw away an opportunity you cannot just like on a whim go follow your hunch because he has to pay the bills you know and so he can't he has to squelch all that sort of like be creative be courageous do all this stuff like he has to squelch that in order to just like get a paycheck to pay the bills and she has like the freedom because of her privilege to be more curious be more of someone who's willing to like step out because if she doesn't keep this job it's 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 fine she could just go get another job you know and mm -hmm. that's not the case for him well, and he's a photographer, so his uh, his choices are very limited. His options, yes, are slim. To stay in this teeny, teeny town. Okay, so let's talk about how Nancy turns this around. Did you like how Karen came in and like basically told her, like, buck up? Did you expect Nancy to let her in? N well, no, but it, I mean, looking back on it, it makes more sense. This is an older Nancy, a graduated Nancy. She's not teenage Nancy. And this is an older Nancy. I remember, you know, being near you when you were around Nancy's age. And at a certain age, you didn't want to hear from your mom. And at a certain age, you were willing to hear from your mom. <laughs> and, and maybe Nancy hit that, that precipice with her mom. Maybe. I also think that she was like back against the wall. Like, I mean, what else, what else was she going to do? Like, she just got reamed out by another adult, you know? Like, I don't know that she had like a lot of other cards to play, you know? And now she's has no boyfriend they've never really shown her with friends so well those friends they had were jackasses remember they were more like steve friends anyway yeah yeah but you know what i mean like she didn't have like a best friend i know barb r.i.p right like, since then none of that karen gave sort of the i i guess i didn't expect her to give that exact that's very Aaron brockovich type of advice right that like just you know if the men aren't going to take you seriously if they're going to have small minds and a small town then you go out there and research it yourself and sell it to a bigger market you know and like screw them so is, is this sort of like um you know earlier in the season we have her contemplating cheating on ted and then deciding not to you know at a certain point she decided to have this not career life basically but she's kind of advising her daughter to, to take some chances with well i think that they kind of painted it remember they they gave the background. Nancy told Steve the background of her parents. Karen was young when she married Ted. Ted's older. She didn't have a career or go do anything because she was just like quickly like a kept woman. The idea that Karen would turn around and say like, you should, you know, get an education, follow your dreams kind of stuff. Like that actually makes a lot of sense. Like cyclically, you know, like it would make sense that Karen who didn't get to do that. I think the, I don't, I don't know quite about the cheating part, but I guess it plays in a little, I suppose, in like the road not taken. I don't know. But it's not like Billy represents that. I mean, you know, mm. she, it's not like she was going to cheat with a guy she dated with in high school that was of similar age and they could actually have a life together. So, you know, like we're just talking about going 
to the motel with the lifeguard. I mean, it's not really, she wasn't like making her way like another path or something. So I don't know, but I was happy that they had that moment, that mother daughter moment. I felt like that feel, felt good, especially because they are going to have to bring in some parents or some other adults to bolster this situation. And I think Karen is like setting up to be someone, maybe she's going to end up luring Billy somehow. Maybe she's going to end up being like their, weirdly, their bait or something, you know, for mm. something. Because now they've set her up as bait. I don't know. Maybe there'll be something there. So I, I'm feeling like it's important to bring Karen in. Like, We've been wondering since the first season why they got a, uh -huh. a pretty recognizable actress to be Mrs. Wheeler. When they basically never used her. They didn't give her anything to do. In those first couple of seasons. So it would make sense a lot if she was suddenly an important piece of this puzzle, you know, moving forward. Mm -hmm. Would you have headed to the hospital to follow up on this Triscoll thing the way that Nancy did? And or would you have had a better cover story than she seemed to have been ready to give? I know you would have had a better cover story right away. Hells yeah, I would have had like a fake ID that said Nancy Triscoll on it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the only place where you can go where you are going to get any further information. And I know that she's, last time you saw her, she was in pretty bad shape, but no one else is willing to talk to you. So it's either bad shape or nobody. Or at least go be able to read those medical records. Now, this is clearly before HIPAA, where they, you remember, at least based on TV shows, remember they used to hang the chart at the end of the bed? Yeah. That was like a thing. Now, they don't do that anymore, and they don't leave it anywhere like that anymore. So this worked out easy for her that like the entire chart was like sitting there on the TV tray. So she was able to go through everything. Now, I assume she's going to not read anything about being a paranoid schizophrenic. That would be very interesting. They'd have to show that to us, you know, for that to really register with us. Or she'll need to have, she'll need to either they need to show us or she'll tell it to Jonathan in like a call or something, you know. For sure. He's the only other person that would. Well, in the hubbub of this apparent code blue, she could just slip that whole medical records right into her bag. Yeah, Mrs. Driscoll's a goner, probably. You think so? so? She says she's like, but what is making her die? What is making her die? What is making her code out in the hospital? What is happening? Mm, maybe it's part of that process where I described where she's meant to carry stuff back and forth to the to the steelworks. Ooh, so maybe she's like full of too much fertilizer? Yeah, maybe she can't keep it and she's got to let it out. She's got to be hosed. Yep. Whoa. Speaking of someone getting hosed, remember when Hop got totally stood up at the I date? I do. I do. And he does too. And he was freaking pissed. While he was happy that Max and Elle were having a sleepover time and not with Mike, he was fucking rip shit when Joyce shows up at the house and is all like, hi ho acting like nothing's going on. Hop might want to refocus his sights elsewhere if she doesn't even have like like i mean i know this, this magnet thing's a big deal but <laughs> but um she's so damn flighty yes yes i don't know how you don't have like some amount of just common courtesy you know i mean like she never really apologizes she never says like i'm awful that i left you sitting there she just she acts like she, she just breezes by that i mean he's even repeating stuff to her he's like so you went with scott clark and you hung out with him while I was at the restaurant. Like, he's, like, saying it back to her, and she's, like, still not picking it up, you know? She's like, yeah, well, that's where I was because he's the science teacher. <laughs> like, Eventually, though, when they make it to Hawkins Labs, he, he says everything he's going to say about how he feels about because he brings up the idea of them moving and him finding out through the grapevine about her kind of putting the house on the market and stuff like that. And, and that it was definitely hurt. He basically said... 
A plus B equals I care about you. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. He didn't really get anything in return right then. Which is so hard. I mean, that is a strange thing about Joyce. Like, I don't feel like not only does she not have like a redeeming quality that you could say, no, I see why Hop is like in love with her. Like she is just this whimsical pixie of a girl, you know, who's just always got her head in the clouds. And that's why she's so flighty and everything. She's not like that. Like she's kind of like all the bad sign of flighty you know like she's like she's like hurting your feelings and doesn't even seem to know why it takes you to places where you get beat up right that too i mean she clearly has like all this sadness still going on with bob where she was like clearly having i mean that was really grotesque to have to relive that scene once we got into the lab of bob dying i mean that was awful awful it was like it was like hey do you remember how gross it was when bob died let's show you well this is what the second time they've they've invoked uh, a visual of of bob in the season yeah so i mean clearly she was only with him for a very short period of time and hop has been around for a million years and she's got this much love in her heart for bob like let's just say she considers him an acquaintance hop you don't even tell your acquaintance you're not meeting him (laughs) you know like oh boy i really i'm fine with hop moving on maybe he can go with karen (laughs) he could have a good life Although I don't know what kind of life that Hop is going to have after all of this, because after getting beat up with that motorcycle dude and they have to get all the way back over to the freaking mayor's office. Uh, I think everything we said in the last podcast about his days are freaking numbered as the chief of police are coming to fruition with this visit to the mayor. I don't know how you how your career survives beating up the mayor. If you're the chief of police. Yeah, I bet I bet that happens in the next episode is is that the mayor arranges for Hopper to be fired. I don't see how there's like any other recourse, honestly. I mean, the whole thing, putting his finger in the cigar chopper, that was fucking insane. And you know what that reminded me of? Um, Cloak and Dagger. Remember that one person has like missing a finger? Yeah. Ah, give me this little like Willie's like cloak and dagger moment. Now I have no idea if that got cut off by a cigar chopper, but it just freaks me out. The idea that losing a finger kind of like reminds me of that, you know, that's some gangster shit. I know. And we're covering like handmade style too. So it should totally remind me of Serena, but like it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what about these findings though? I mean, they actually get information out of the mayor. They drag him off to his house. Totally hinky that he's keeping all these like land deals in a vault in his bedroom what the ho plus i loved it that in his room he had like a exercise bike that like all of us had at some point my grandparents had one in their living room this may be why the firing won't take is that you know when hopper goes to the mayor's office they start going back and forth with the dirt that they have on each other the mayor getting beaten up would probably provoke him to fire Hopper. But Hopper, on the other hand, has the the printed proof that the that the mayor profited from these call it like under the table sales well, of public land. You know he's calling the Russians. I mean, at the end when his wife comes in and he's like screaming, get me the phone, he's only calling one people, the mall people. You know, mm-hmm. so now the mall people are going to be after Hop. I mean, I don't know how that's supposed to play out, but the secretary at the mayor's office saw him getting beat up by the, the chief of police. And so no doubt the second they left, she was calling around town being like, oh, my God, Larry's getting beat up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who you call in that case, the state police, maybe. I don't know. But I mean, there's probably a city council and other shit like that, that like you'd be like ousted by more than just the mayor yep depends on how the town's chartered wow that was a super investigative slash researched answer paul depends on how the town is chartered yeah well who he reports to word 
he didn't ever seem to have like a real fear of the mayor like you might have with your boss. Not fear, but, you know, sort of deference or anything like that. But I bet he can fire him. I still bet he can fire him. So. I bet he can pull strings, run him out of town, do something funky. So listeners of the podcast who aren't children of the 80s may not know that we really hated the Russians in the 80s. Like supersonic hated them. The Dustin storyline, if you're not aware of that hatred and you're just like, well, Russia's just Russia these days. It, you, it might seem overzealous, which it kind of is, but it might seem ridiculous or, or like something someone wouldn't do. I would argue that, no, that's not exactly true. Remember there was an episode of, of Different Strokes where Arnold launches a rocket with a mouse in it and it lands in the Russian embassy in New York City and it sets off like a minor international incident that this child's because it was a large rocket and it wasn't explosive or anything like that but still it was a rocket that landed with potential like biological you know warfare and and it Intrigue. and but that was different strokes that was meant to be a comedy you know where the punchline was said what you talking about willis once or twice an episode and then that was it it was supposed to be the, the something funny but even even that level of entertainment was touched by this this need to kind of work in this how we feel about the russians into pop culture it was everywhere in the in the 80s is, is what i'm trying to say coming from that era i don't think dustin is i think he's a little overzealous in his approach but i don't think that he's having a concern that other kids like him wouldn't have had at the same time with access to the same stuff how do you look at that storyline do you think it's plausible that he's so into this russian decoding i mean i think it's super everything that we were just talking about like cloak and dagger war games i don't know somehow kids getting wrapped up into government business somehow seems like that was a whole theme in the 80s of Definitely like in the movies yeah yeah and so in that case like i actually feel like it's very on point like for what was really happening in entertainment so it would like make sense that it would be like playing out in your own brain you know and i mean this is actually happening like robin decoding that message and figuring out that the silver cat is the lynx courier service and you know the blue and the yellow are the hands of the clock and you know pointing towards the shoe store and the the panda chinese restaurant all those things i mean it's happening you know if that first scene of the whole series does take place in russia with a russian flag i don't get that part <laughs> then yeah. except for that it said it was a year earlier so maybe that was at russian headquarters in russia and since then they've been setting then... up shop because there's something there something oh, yeah. important Hells there. yeah okay so I, I how are you liking this robin character do you feel like she's like a value add because she's like brand new but at the same time doesn't she feel like she's been here the whole time well first of all do you know who her parents are no Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. Wow. Yeah. Who, so what is her actual name? Uma Uma Hawke? Something Hawke. Yeah. Something Hawke. <laughs> That's what her parents named her. Something Hawke. <laughs> hey, in this Apple day, of, day and age, she could be named Something Hawke. Moxie crime fighter, perhaps. Right. So that's the first thing. She's got uh, she's got the breeding to be a good actress, and she is a pretty good actress. I totally. I think she's very natural. But not only that, she just seems like she fits in with the crew like very easily. Like she's not sticking out like a sore thumb at all. It's not weirding me out anything she's doing. Yeah, kind of like how when they brought in Carrie Elways for the mayor, we're instantly like, well. He looks like he's had some work done. We know he's English, so we know he has this fake accent, and it kind of sounds a little fake too, you know. So it's like all these different factors combining to be like, like you say, 
sticks out a little bit, you know, compared to other characters brought in for the first time? Well, I think that in that case, it's just like a giant blinking red arrow over his head for me. Like, this is going to be an important character, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know anything about your fake accent talk. I think that that did not strike me at all. But but just that I knew who he was instantly, despite the obvious face work, um, you know, so that I know the mayor is going to be a major foil in this. But I didn't know that about Robin, that she comes from such a famous background so in that case not unlike maybe karen she is going to play a bigger role because she is in theory coming with a better acting background do you know who i super love of this group don't say erica i freaking love erica paul she is so funny i know she's, she's a total horrible. dw she's, she's horrible why do you say she's horrible because of her dw-ness yeah and she's she's demanding and and Im- patient and and has no right to be that way she's just being a little sister man i think it's hilarious and i totally love her and the whole like you can't spell america without erica i'm wondering if they needed that line the entire time when they named her erica because i totally love it i thought it was funny she is uh, such a she is overdoing it like she in the previous season she was a little tiny character but she like sold her sass better this is like she ratcheted her sass to like 25 instead of like 10. And so I get what you're saying. She's like a little bit over the top with all of her stuff. Like she could have played it a little more cool than like Disney actor, like like talking kind of like that, you know, like it doesn't need to be that dramatic with everything. Right. Um, But I liked the character and I liked the idea of her having to like be a part of this group. I liked that Robin was so smart to have figured out to do like the duct work of the mall. That seems super cool. Was that not the cleanest, shiniest duct work you've ever seen? I haven't seen a lot of duct work close up, but in com- um, I have comparison to say our house. Yeah, that was like sparkling clean. Now I know the mall is relatively new. So then we're going to say, well, that duct work hasn't been there that long, but still like not even like nary a dust bunny in sight. I'd hate to see the uh, duct work at our mall. Oh God, that would be project child endangerment. <laughs> that would be horrible. They couldn't breathe in there for sure. Okay. So here's the thing. Did you think it was plausible that Erica was somehow going to elbow crawl through however far she had to get in that mall? Because she looked really quite big in the duct. Bigger than I thought she was going to look. Because, like, when they first shoved Dustin in and then they shoved her in, I thought there was going to be, like, a massive difference between them. And there kind of wasn't. She really filled it up. Yeah. She barely had enough room to, like, move her shoulders back and forth, which, you know, is kind of important with crawling. The the diagram that they showed of all those turns and how it far she needed to go, far. it would have it taken a person, you know, several minutes to walk that far, you know? And she's supposed to just do it a couple inches at a time, just... I super love though that she had like the 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 completely accurate roller skating elbow pads and knee pads that everyone wore back then. Those were actually totally real. What's not real was Robin's bike helmet. I agree. You guys, I never even saw a bike helmet of, uh, during that time. Like I don't know how she would have had a bike helmet. And they yeah. had no one else wear a bike helmet. What was no. that? No. Is that just like a weird, like, we got to protect the... Uh, That's a great question. I know that to some extent, Netflix has accepted that they have some responsibility for various kinds of representation, including accepting that, that there is criticism of how much they depict smoking in this season as like a thing. Okay, so like Hop is smoking? And they've come out and said that they're going to show less smoking in the future. Yeah. 
Okay. So, so now- it's it's my what I'm saying is that it's entirely plausible that they that someone somewhere, some jackass behind like the bike safety alliance <laughs> gotcha. was like, You guys showed two seasons of these boys riding the helmetless. We we can't stand for it. We need we need some some bike helmet representation, even though, like Caroline says, no one wore them in the eighties. I've never even saw one. Like, it's not like it's like no one wore them. Did they exist? I don't even know where you would have gotten that. Weird, man. It was weird. Okay, so Project Child Endangerment, though, is a success in that Erica does make it through the duct. She does open the door and they do make it in. Where have you seen those canisters that they pull up before? What did that remind you of besides banking or the CVS drive through There was two things. It was either Back to the Future. Totally reminded me of Plutonium. When they show the Plutonium. Yes. Or there's a movie that came out in 1986 called The Manhattan Project, which was about a high school smarty pants that figures out how to build an atomic bomb with stolen plutonium. Okay. When they show the plutonium in that movie, he does, he need, there's two things. There's like, get the plutonium from this lab but he also needs to make some fake plutonium to fake out some other people right so he uses a mixture of like vo5 hair gel and food coloring and glitter okay so something very thick and jelly that's exactly what it looked like though right yeah yeah it did it also reminds me of a like like nowadays people use like hair gel and glitter little beads and crap and they put them in like water bottles and they call them things like fidget bottles it's like the same kind of goo. Yeah, like squishes. Yeah, and you kind of like turn it upside down and like the, the stuff like settles, you know, it floats through the hair gel. It's all stuff you can get at the dollar store, Paul. Although these did not look like dollar store canisters. No. What, what maybe... do you think it is? Is it energy? What is it, Paul? It's not hair gel. I think it is uh, movie plutonium. What made me wonder movie plutonium. about this whole thing, though, was that if it's so valuable that they have these guys with AK-47s guarding the transfers, right. but then they just leave the shit in there. Right. What makes it not guardable at that, those points? Is it just like we only need guards when we're when we have the door open? I agree. Like I understand that they had to get them to the point to somehow fuck up all the buttons and activate the elevator, and now we're going down, 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 down into the mall. But I do agree that it would have made more sense that Erica would have like put one tube in her backpack and like crawled back through, and then something else would have happened. You know, like I just I don't think that. That's what would have happened, you know, because it, there's no reason why it wouldn't have been guarded. Like, none. And especially after people were fooling around at Hawkins' lab, like, just earlier. Like, I just feel like that the Russian people and or the mall people would be on, like, high freaking alert. So, I don't know. I'm with you. Like, that's a little, like, all right. I mean, I love it how we're like, look, if a mind flayer fills someone with goo, we accept that. But if you don't have a guard outside the plutonium factory area, we are calling bullshit. Like I love it that we're like it's very slippery you've slope. Got to you've got to draw a line in the sand somewhere, people. Okay, if you don't stand up for something, you're gonna fall for everything. <laughs> and on that note, we hope you guys are enjoying our coverage of season three, and we look forward to hearing what you guys think. How are you enjoying so far? For the first half of season three, we're all the way done with one, two, three, and four. We've only got four left, Paul. So are you excited to continue? Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Bye-bye. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. Facebook or Twitter or wherever you find us. Please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. 
Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.